0: Welcome back to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm Eros Pempokolsky, as always, framing this podcast around living your greatest life in a body you love. This episode is specifically for men or maybe women who want to help their man in the bedroom. So ladies and gents, Dr. Judson Brandis joins me today. He is the world's number one expert on erectile function and ultimately male optimization. He deals specifically with men over 35 specifically talking about testosterone optimization, erectile dysfunction, and ultimately the mechanisms and actions we can take to reverse it. This is an incredibly valuable podcast. I've talked to a lot of guys in the past about quote-unquote male function or how to do it. Dr. Brandy's in the beginning of the podcast, drops his resume, which will do nothing short of blow your mind. Uh, he's incredibly brilliant. He's incredibly experienced, and he's just written a book called "The 21st Century Man," that I'm really excited to dig into. He says it's the Bible for optimization for men, and we get into as many of the topics as we can in a realistic amount of time to help you ultimately live your greatest life in a body you love and have awesome sex in the process. So, without further ado, for me, enjoy the podcast with Dr. Brandis. Today's podcast is brought to you by Organifi. Organifi Green, Red in gold. I'm going to teach you a little bit about each and why you should consider taking them. So green is for people out there who don't maybe eat perfectly all the time. Sometimes it's hard to get superfoods and adaptogens and lots of vitamins into your diet and Organifi Green is a good way to kind of do a little overall catch-all. Make sure your body kind of has the uh, alkalizing nutrients, the minerals, and those uh, superfood micronutrients that it ultimately needs to thrive. So there's also things in there called adaptogens. So if you're someone who feels a little down, you're lacking energy, adaptogens can bring you up. If you're feeling a little bit overstimulated, adaptogens can actually bring you down. That's what adaptogens do. They help your body kind of normalize. And Organifi Green is one of the best ways to get these in a really, really good tasting way that takes literally seconds to eat one scoop and water in the morning, bam, and I'm out the door. It feels so great. Now, guys, specific to you for this podcast, if you're not a already taking REDS, so Organifi REDS is loaded with berries. So things like be- uh, red berries, blueberries, dark berries, beets are very, very useful for nitric oxide production. Why does that matter? Specific to this episode, Dr. Brandis is going to tell you about why you need nitric oxide for improving erectile function. So if you're a man not already taking a red product, go over to Organifi.com muscle right now and pick up a year's supply because it's absolutely something that you should be taking on a consistent basis, not just for your erectile performance, but also for your heart. As we age, guys, we want to keep heart attacks and erectile... Out dysfunction at a distance, let's just say. But so, and as far as the gold, gold kind of tastes, I remember Drew was on the podcast and he says, it tastes like a marshmallow made love to autumn, <laughs> uh, which I thought was kind of funny. It's delicious. It's um Savory, a little bit sweet, uh, kind of like yeah, it's just delicious and it helps really to calm you down. It's very much about slowing you down the evening. For someone who likes to drink something in the evening, you can't have coffee. Organifi Gold is a great way to replace that. It's also full of adaptogens and mushrooms to help you just chill out before bed. Head over to slash muscle, get hooked up with 20% off. And now go enjoy the show with Dr. Brandis.
1: I grew up in New York. And I was attracted to track and cross country, so I became a runner. But then I became really interested in triathlons. I read the article in the in the uh, Sports Illustrated about the first Ironman triathlon, and I became super interested in triathlons. I started doing triathlons in I think 1981, 1982. Back in those days, before Bud Light sponsored triathlons, and so you would get up on the starting line and all the icons of the sport would be there. You know, Dave Scott and Scott Tinley and Scott Molina, you know, they were just regular old guys. It was even mm-hmm. before Scott bars. I mean, it was amazing. So then I went off to Brown university. I ran track and cross country for a couple of years at Brown university and decided I wanted to become a doctor. So then I went off to American red cross, did some really interesting research with Harold T. Merriman, who was the, the researcher who figured out how to freeze blood so you can't just take blood and throw it in the freezer because water expands. And so the corpuscles will pop. And so Harold Merriman figured out how to infuse blood with a number of substances that stabilize the membrane so that you can actually freeze it and then give it back to uh, to folks. So interesting. Yeah. And so that time we were actually trying to, to um, freeze rabbit kidneys for transplantation, which is really cool because now... 25 years later, we're actually using pigs to transplant into humans. Uh, oh, wow. So yesterday was actually the first pig heart transplanted into a human. And uh, they've been transplanting pig kidneys also. Really? Yeah. Really? So it was actually.
0: How up to date with the, uh, with the research are you? That's really
1: interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty up to date. I mean, oh. not not as up to date as, as the other stuff. But, you know, back in those days, I imagined doing that exact same thing. You have to basically create what's called a knockout pig. So the problem is you have to transplant across species. So there are what we call antigens, things that your body recognizes as foreign. And you use a technology kind of like CRISPR where you knock out or take out certain genes that your body, human body would recognize as foreign. And so you have to overcome that with humans to pigs, but then also pigs get certain viruses And so you have to uh, ensure that these pigs can't get these viruses that then you're transplanting into humans, because then the human is immunosuppressed and kind of susceptible to those viruses. So it's really exciting that that's all happening. And then I went off to medical school at Vanderbilt. And then when I was in medical school, I took a year off and did a year of research at Harvard Medical School at the lab where they did the first living related kidney transplant. And I did research on uh, basically kidney transplantation and transplantation immunology. And then after that, I went off to UCLA and trained as a, a urologist. So as a general surgeon, but also as a urologic surgeon. And then I went off to private practice. I decided I didn't want to live the life of a transplant surgeon. And I lived the life of a urologist. But I did some really cool things as a urologist. I helped develop surgical robotics so we had the second Da Vinci surgical robot in the country. I developed kidney stone center and our MRI guided prostate biopsy center. Uh, I was chief of urology at my hospital, chief of urology for the local HMO, and voted the top urologist in the San Francisco Bay Area for the past
0: seven or eight years. What motivated you? I'm very curious. Someone who achieves at that level and continues to achieve and achieve and achieve, what was the driving force?
1: You know, it's just, I think training as a runner and training as a triathlete you just learn how to work, and you—you know—I'm not the kind of guy that just sits on the couch and does nothing. I'm always sort of looking to learn new things, and I just have a kind of creative drive. So I do clinical research at my office. I have, I think, three or four clinical research projects going on now that are really um, fascinating. So I have one, which is called the P-long study, which is a penile elongation study, and so uh, we'll present data in about a year showing the first study ever to improve the length and girth of the male penis. It sounds kind of crazy. And to be honest, it's not that important for me that men have bigger penises. Um, But I see a lot of guys that come in because of my specialty, where they've done things like surgically or injection of fillers that disfigure their penis or make it less functional. And so I developed a, a natural way to do that using a high quality PRP or platelet-rich plasma and traction devices, suction devices. And um, so we're almost finished recruiting the study. Um, I also use a technology called high-intensity focused electromagnetic waves, which boosts muscular strength probably 10 to 10, 15 times faster than you can do in the gym.
0: That's only used for the penis or that's used for all muscles?
1: No, no, that's actually used for. So the study that I, I just presented uh, about a month ago at the sexual medicine society meeting um, was on orgasm. So this was the first technology ever shown to improve the intensity and duration of orgasm.
0: Wow. Can you look so, how it
1: works? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of preaching to the choir, but uh, the way that you activate muscle is that you, from the brain, you send a, an a electrical signal down a nerve, which basically is an ionic gradient. Now, when it gets down to the muscle, it causes depolarization of the muscular fibers. And then you have thin and thick fibers that intercalate and slowly slide alongside each other. Right. But that uses a nerve. And that nerve is the limiting factor, meaning that the nerve has to depolarize, but then repolarize and depolarize and repolarize and depolarize and repolarize. And so there's a limit to how many times you can do that per second. But with high intensity focused electromagnetic waves, right? So the company is called BTL and they have two devices. One is the Mcella, which is for the pelvic floor. And the other is called M-Sculpt, which is for regular muscle you can actually depolarize the muscles using electromagnetic fields. So it's kind of like a TENS unit that people use, but TENS unit is a direct current, right? Right. So a direct current takes the path of least resistance. So it goes through the skin, superficially through the muscle and out through the skin. And because it goes through the skin, it generates heat. And so there's a limit to how much you can use it. But with the M-Sculpt device, you can set the depth of penetration And it doesn't really go through the skin because it's a feel. And so you can have a deep contraction of muscle. And you know, this is, I use it really for my patients who are 50 plus. So most of my patients come in because of sexual dysfunction, but I, you know, I have an in-body scale. So I look at everyone's percentage body fat, basal metabolic rate. I look at their left arm, their right arm, their abs, their, their legs, and I you know, I'm able to assess really what's under the hood. And a lot of my patients have problems with um, lower leg weakness. And if you're in your fifties or sixties, or seventies, those are much more important than your upper body hmm. because those affect your mil- uh, mobility as you get older. Right. And so for example, I have uh, a male rejuvenation protocol that, you know, the nice thing is as a, as a surgeon and as a physician, I can pretty much do anything. So I do a lot of testosterone replacement in men that need it um, I have the M sculpt I have the, the in-body um, I have a you know I have a pretty functional knowledge of nutrition um, of supplements and so on and so forth and I have a series of men now that I'm about to publish between the ages of 60 and 70 where over a period of four months I built five to ten pounds of muscle and these guys lost 10 to 20 pounds of fat
0: is that with training or is that with uh, t- technology? It's with a combination
1: of, of all. So it's definitely with testosterone, definitely with the Sculpt. Also with, um, I recommend cardio four times a week for 40 minutes yep. at uh, heart rate 220 minus age times 0.75. Okay. And then um, a, uh, a, um, a circuit training two to three days a week. Kind of high rep lightweight, and then protein, a half a gram per pound, and then a a diet based on what their basal metabolic rate is minus five hundred, okay. plus the calories you burn during exercise. And then I put them all on creatine, I put them all on a firm, which is a nitric oxide boosting supplement that I created. And they do
0: amazing. So can you walk me through mechanistically what's happening as guys age? Yeah, I
1: mean, you know better than I do what happens mechanistically in the muscle. You know, first of all, the mitochondria. So I'm talking
0: about erectile dysfunction. Oh, erectile dysfunction.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. So
1: one of my favorite subjects. Okay. So when you're 20, you get great erections in the morning, right? Yep. Yep every morning. And sometime 20 years later, 25 years later, 30 years later, those morning erections go away. Okay. That's the first warning sign that the blood flow to the penis isn't what it should be. Okay. 10 years after that happens, maybe 15 years, you'll begin to get some degree of erectile dysfunction. Meaning that when you're having intercourse or when you're trying to be intimate, You'll get an erection and then that erection will go away. And so what's happening is when the heart pumps, the last place that gets blood are the toes and the penis. Okay. But you don't get toe erections, right? As the blood flow declines to the toe, the toe gets cold. Your feet get cold. You put socks on. Okay. But the penis is different. With the penis, you have to achieve a certain level of blood pressure in order for the penis to work. And so what happens in the penis is there's a blood vessel called the deep cavernosal blood vessel that pumps blood into the chambers of the penis, the corpora. And as the blood fills what are called sinusoids, these little uh, chambers, kind of like a sponge, it pushes out into what's called the tunica or the outer lining of the penis. And the veins that drain the penis live just under the tunica. And as the pressure increases, it blocks the return of venous blood through the tunica and traps the blood inside the penis. And the artery keeps pumping. So the artery has a muscular wall. And so it keeps pumping blood into the penis, but the veins have thin walls that get compressed and so they don't return venous blood. And that's how you get a rigid erection and an erection that raises from a lower position to a higher position. But that requires blood pressure to be high enough to do that. Now, if the blood pressure declines, then those veins open up and you lose the erection. You following me?
0: Yeah. I got you. Okay. Perfect. Yep. with this. So I'll I'll let you keep going. Yeah. So the, the way
1: I tell my patients, it's like you're on the top of a burning building, right? And the next building is six feet over. If you jump six feet, it's a good day. If you jump five feet, it's a long way down. So there's a blood pressure that you need to maintain in the penis that traps the blood inside the penis. And if you don't, or can't maintain that blood pressure, the erection goes away. Okay, And so that's vasculogenic erectile dysfunction or erectile dysfunction as a result of decreased blood flow. There's also what we call neurogenic blood flow or neurogenic erectile dysfunction, which is related to the nerves, right? Because the system requires a signal. And in men, the signal can be either visual, it could be through a fantasy from the inside of the brain, or it could be just based on touch, right? There are three ways that men get turned on. Okay. And then because of that, the signal will come through a nerve and then there's a nerve called the deep cavernosal nerve, right? And that releases nitric oxide onto the penis, And when that happens, you make something called CGMP. Now, CGMP, it's not important to know exactly what CGMP is, but it's really the linchpin of the whole system. So when I was at UCLA, one of my professors won the Nobel Prize for discovering nitric oxide as a second messenger. And and you guys in the workout community, uh, I'm sure always include that as part of your pre-workout stack because you know that it boosts circulation, but it boosts circulation everywhere. It boosts circulation to the brain, to the muscles. To, um, it affects your blood pressure in a, in a really positive way, uh, but it also improves blood flow to the penis and it helps your body create CGMP. Now, the beautiful thing about something like Viagra is it's specific to the enzyme in the penis that's only in the penis called PDE5. So you block PDE5 and you keep CGMP around. So that. Nitric oxide and PDE5 inhibitors work synergistically by boosting the amount of CGMP. And the more CGMP you have, the more you open up blood vessels. So you can have a problem with the signal. And then, of course, you can have a problem with the pipes. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. So as you get older uh, and you eat an American diet, you'll begin to fill the pipes with plaque and cholesterol and those plaques will begin to narrow the blood flow,
0: and you won't be able to push as much blood flow into the penis. Okay. So what are the primary causes? So, I mean, you hear it being thrown all around that it's stress, that it's being obesity, obese, uh, inactivity. So there's lots of things that go down the list, but I'm curious just from a mechanistic standpoint, like, is it that the arterial wall Balls are losing elasticity. Is it a combination of things? I love to. I just walk through. Um, yeah. Okay. So
1: you know, really, anything that narrows the blood vessels will cause a reduction in blood flow. Okay, and so that can be plaque, cholesterol plaque, uh, calcium plaque, and that can be from what you eat. It can become from endothelial damage. That can be from smoking. There was just an article recently published on COVID. Right. So they, they did a chart review and they found that there was a 20% increase in the new diagnoses of erectile dysfunction in men that have COVID, right? Because COVID causes a vasculitis. That's the primary way that it causes damage. And it causes damage to what's called the glycocalyx or the inner lining of the endothelium. And the endothelium are the most important cells that line the inside of blood vessels. So when you damage the endothelium, then you cause a clot, right? Because anytime you get damage uh, to the endothelium, that's the inner lining, you have to heal that. And as part of that healing process, you get platelets and other things that stick in there and cause a clot. And guess what that clot does? It blocks the flow of blood. And so that causes a block to the flow of blood. You know, So obesity, lack of exercise, smoking, uh, you know, eating a poor diet, will all cause atherosclerotic disease. And it's the same disease as cardiovascular disease. So, you know, a lot of men are ashamed or afraid to talk about erectile dysfunction, but it's the same disease process as cardiovascular disease. So like, say you're, uh, you know, you're working in an office and you have to take your father to a cardiologist, right? So you you announce to everyone in the room, oh, you know, listen, guys, I got to leave for work leave work early. Cause I got to take my dad to the cardiologist and everyone's like, Oh, that's, you know, that's so nice. If you really care about your dad, you're taking him to a cardiologist. Uh, but say the next day, you're like, you know, guys, I got to leave early. Uh, I got to take my dad to the urologist because he's having trouble getting a boner. You won't get that same response right. from the, the folks in the office, but it's the same disease process. Is it reversible? To a certain extent, it's reversible. So you know, there's a lot of information on um, a plant-based diet, exercise, and those kind of things. And to a certain extent, it's reversible. But for, to a large extent, uh, it's irreversible. Once you clog blood vessels, now the nice thing you can, what thing you can do is develop collateral circulation, and that's actually how I became interested in regenerative urology. Is there are technologies out there like shockwave therapy? Like platelet-rich plasma, like stem cells, uh, that where you can grow collateral circulation to increase the blood pressure in the penis to help improve erectile
0: function. Interesting. So I'd love to have you walk through Shockwave as well, because I know that Wave, I think you're still a consultant, with Gainswave. Yeah, I'm a medical advisor for Gainswave.: Yeah, I'd love to hear exactly what's what's happening there. So as you say, it's just generating new vasculature.
1: Yeah. So. You know, these are hard studies to do, as you can imagine, because you're not going to get a lot of human volunteers that um, will get shockwave therapy and then have us cut their penis off and look at it under the microscope. Uh, But there is a lab in San Francisco at UCSF where they did this experiment in rats. So if you're ever in San Francisco and you see a bunch of dickless rats, you know that they participated in this study. But what they did is they used rats (laughs) and they did shockwave therapy on the rats And then they harvested their penises like five, six weeks later. And what they found was an upregulation of stem cells, an upregulation of vascular growth factors, an upregulation of nitric oxide synthase. So it's it's an enzyme that helps create nitric oxide and then upregulation of nerve growth factors, right? And so anytime you injured yourself, you're going to get a stimulation of stem cells. So you have stem cells all throughout your body, right? And then those stem cells cause the growth of new cells and you release growth factors, especially vascular growth factor is really important. And then you release nitric oxide to open up those blood vessels. And so really what happens is either the shock wave, it can be either a focused shock wave or a radial wave. So focused goes down to a point, and a radial shockwave comes from a point and out. And as it turns out, there's really absolutely no difference in the results between a radial shockwave and a focus shockwave. But what that does is it vibrates blood vessels in the penis, and those blood vessels think that they're being injured. Even though they're not being injured, they think that they're being injured, and so they generate an injury response, an inflammatory response. And that inflammatory response activates stem cells, activates growth factors, and grows collateral circulation. And so it increases blood flow to the penis. Now, you know, it's it's not going to turn a 65-year-old guy into a 20-year-old. So if I have a, you know, a 52-year-old guy who's taking Viagra and he doesn't want to take Viagra or gives him a headache, I can do shockwave therapy on that patient and I can get them to the point where they don't need medication anymore. And I can take someone who's 65 where Viagra is not working so well anymore. I can get them to the point where it works really well, but I'm probably not going to get them to the point where they don't need it. Right.
0: So how many, th- how many treatments? Anywhere between six and 12. Hmm.
1: That's not but so I nice. believe in uh, combination therapy. So I need, I want to maximize the signal. And the way that I maximize the signal is by using a nitric oxide booster like a firm. And I maximize the signal, especially in folks who are older, by using a daily dose of Tadalafil or daily dose of Cialis, Mm -hmm. right? Especially at night because night erections are really important. When you begin to lose your nighttime erections, you're beginning to clog blood vessels, right? Why would you go from 20 years old where you're getting erections every night and every morning to... 45, 50 years old where you're not getting erections every night and every morning, right? Something, something in your physiology has changed and you have to accept that and embrace that and understand, okay, maybe I'm putting on some weight. Maybe I'm not exercising as much as I should. Maybe I'm not drinking enough water. Maybe uh, I should start taking some supplements so on and so forth because you get 30 to 60 minutes of erections every night. And the reason you get that is because it needs, you need to keep your penis healthy. And hmm. Every dose. time you go into REM sleep, you get a five-minute to 10-minute erection.
0: Hmm.
1: What's your recommended dose on that typically? On what? On the Tadalafil, Five milligrams. Yeah. You know, um, younger guys, you can even do two and a half
0: milligrams. Is there such a thing as doing too many nitric oxide boosters? Does it downregulate the system? Uh, you know, honestly,
1: I... On, I made a video for Affirm Science, and I took eight tablets, which would be the equivalent of six grams of citrulline and and two grams of beets, and I felt fine. You know, I woke up in the great erection the next morning, but um, not really. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about nitric oxide. Is I'm sorry, what?
0: Long-term effects if you're doing it like every day, multiple times a day for a long time—is it does it lose its effectiveness or nothing that we know? No, about?
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Okay. Great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, so it really helps. Nitric oxide really helps protect the endothelium, right? It, because it opens up naturally helps open and close blood vessels. And so the more open blood vessels are, the smoother the red blood cells and the platelets and the white blood cells and the oxygen and the nutrients flow through blood vessels. And blood vessels have this really cool thing called the glycocalyx which is like um, like tiny little fingers or cilia that buffer the endothelium because you don't want blood vessels, which are packed into arteries to slam into the walls of blood vessels, especially if the endothelium is denuded. I mean, you should really see like the electron micrographs of folks with before and after COVID. I mean, the endothelium is denuded of this glycocalyx. I, wrote, I made a really good video on how COVID causes erectile dysfunction where we have some of these uh, images showing the glycocalyx destroyed in the endothelium. And you can really, when you look at those pictures, you really understand visually how this can cause damage to the endothelium, which then results in little blood clots.
0: Now, is that reversible? And what's your suggestion for people to uh, maybe mitigate the damage? Yeah, I mean a nitric oxide booster
1: is really essential. And uh, taking something like Tadalafil would certainly help. There was just a study released showing that people take Viagra, have less uh, incidence of dementia and Alzheimer's. And it's, it's just from opening up the blood vessels in the brain, you know, preventing vasculogenic dementia.
0: So it's really about opening up circulation. So interesting. And now, so as far as testosterone optimization, I'm curious to hear your opinion on uh, healthy ranges, right? So we know that over the last 20 and 30 years, the ranges have obviously diminished significantly. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on where you like your guys to sit as far as optimization of not only erectile function, but health.
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. And when I was doing general urology, I would say I would have a totally different answer than I have now. So I would say, you know, five or 600 would be great. But you know what? I would get guys that had low testosterone and symptoms of hypogonadism. So I never replace anyone unless they have symptoms of low testosterone, right? So if a guy comes in and his testosterone is 200, but he's super active and he's got good energy and he's got good libido and you know everything's going well in his life, I wouldn't touch him. And if I have a guy that comes in and they're 500, they're down in the dumps and they're hard to put on muscle and they're putting on fat, you know, that's a great candidate for testosterone replacement. As long as I've ruled out all the other conditions, you know, that they're not hypothyroid, that they don't have sleep apnea, that they don't have kidney disease or liver disease or any other, any other issues that might be causing those symptoms. Because if you think about it, if you have sleep apnea, right, you're tired all the time, you don't have good energy, you get fat, you lose muscle, you don't feel like having sex. Those are all the same symptoms of low testosterone. So it's not just a question of, bam, let's just put everyone on testosterone. You have to be a doctor and figure out, okay, I need to make sure that the symptoms that you have are directly related to testosterone. And if they are, then I typically try to get my guys up between 1,000 and
0: 1,200. Yeah. Um, that perfectly segues into my next question. Is it, is it often testosterone in isolation or do you combine it with other... Uh, hormones or other things like that.
1: Yeah. I don't use human growth hormone. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I'm not an expert in that, but I've seen some problems with that. I've seen a number of patients form uh, cancers while they were on that. And, you know, I don't know if that's directly related or not, but sometimes just from anecdotal um, experiences that you have, they they tend to kind of frighten you off
0: from that kind of stuff. I was curious about like DHEA or anything like that. Yeah, so I actually have a supplement uh,
1: that I make called Support that is DHEA, uh, which I think is, is a great pro hormone, right? So your body takes DHEA and it breaks it down into testosterone, and so the data shows that if you have low testosterone and low DHEA, DHEA, that it will boost testosterone about fourteen or fifteen points. I mean a percent. But the knock on DHEA is that you boost estrogen, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? Because you get aromatization of testosterone. A lot of guys think, well, you know, testosterone and estrogen are totally different hormones. But if you look at, and I have this slide that I show all my patients that say, you know, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. But if you actually look at the structure of testosterone and estrogen, the only difference is a single hydrogen molecule uh, atom. So the smallest unit of matter is the difference between testosterone and estrogen. It's easy for your body to flip testosterone into estrogen. So I use DIM, which is a natural supplement that blocks the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. Because I'll get a lot of guys in my office that come in and their testosterone is 350 or 400, and they're, they're really not excited about replacing it because there are some downsides of replacing. And so if you give them something like support, which has DIM and DHEA and Ali and ashwagandha, which are two botanicals that have pretty decent data on boosting testosterone, then you can boost testosterone 15, 20%. And, some, and a lot of guys, that's enough you know, to go from 400 to 450 or 475. And eventually they'll come in you know, two, three, five years later,
0: and they'll want replacement, but maybe they're not ready for replacement at that time. Right. How important is estrogen to erectile function? We know it's relatively important when it comes to cardiac function and you drew a correlation there. So I'm curious if there's... Yeah, you know. it's important to cardiac function, but
1: more importantly, it's important to bone health. Okay. So I see a lot of second opinions on guys on testosterone replacement and um, and they get put on an astrozole. And I've seen a number of guys come in with estrogen levels of zero or mm-hmm. close to zero. And that's actually really dangerous. So first of all, you know, every man has estrogen and testosterone and every woman has estrogen and testosterone. They're just different ratios. And so estrogen is an important hormone in men just at appropriate levels. And, you know, I do a lot of um, pellet insertions for testosterone. Uh, one, because it, I can get great levels that are really stable. You know, I'll get between a 1, and 1200, and that'll last for about four to six months. Uh, And you don't get the ups and downs that you get from shots. Um, And the creams almost never get you to that level. So, and when I get a guy to 1,000 or 1,200 and they've started at 300, boy, like their their lives just open up. And the amazing thing is, you know, it's not a drug, it's not 90% effective or 80% effective, it's 100% effective. Right. You know, everyone that I put on testosterone, because we're all men, we have testosterone receptors. We all went through puberty. I'm basically putting guys through a second puberty and their outlook in life improves their depression or grouchiness improves their energy improves their ability to build muscle dramatically improves their ability to lose fat improves their libido improves. Um, but you have to do it at the right level. And Initially, early on in my career, I was afraid to get up to those levels, but now I routinely get guys between 1,000 and 1,200, 1,300, and, and they do great.
0: I'm curious why the pellets, because I hear so many experts uh, opt against the pellets, because apparently, and this is what I've heard, and I'd love to hear your opinion, um, as toward the end of the cycle of the life, the life cycle of the pellets, it tends to be much less predictable. It tends to cause a little bit of uh, fluctuation, or it can sometimes... Tank and, and it's uh, in, the, in the I've heard in the first one to two months it's great and then after that it becomes very unpredictable. Yeah, you know the biot pellets
1: that I use last for about four to six months, and typically at least between five and six months. And it's kind of like a salt shaker. So uh, towards the bottom of the salt shaker, uh, you will get uh, a fairly rapid decline in levels. But you know, guys call us up and say, you know, it's time for me to come in. Uh, either that or You know, when we're first starting to put them in, patients we'll check a level in about four or five months, just to make sure that the guy knows uh, what you know what their levels are. But once we get a a relatively stable level established, um, then guys know when to come in, and they know when the signs are that they need to come in. Super
0: interesting. And you said there may be some negative implications of being up around a thousand or twelve hundred. What are those? Well,
1: just in general. Uh, The the negative implications of testosterone. So first of all, if you have aggressive prostate cancer, then don't go on testosterone, right? Uh, So we've actually shown that it doesn't cause prostate cancer. If you have low grade or even intermediate grade prostate cancer, it's probably not going to flare the cancer. But if you have aggressive prostate cancer, then absolutely do not take prostate cancer. I mean, uh, testosterone. Now, the other thing is it can cause the growth of the prostate. So benign prostatic hypertrophy. So if you have an enlarged prostate and you have trouble urinating, go get that dealt with first before you get testosterone replaced. Okay. The other thing is it's going to make your testicles smaller and you can be either on uh, HCG or Clomid to prevent that complication. If you know, testicular size is important for you, or if you're younger and you want to maintain fertility, then make sure that you're on Clomid and not on testosterone replacement. Yeah. In addition,
0: Oh, go ahead. That was actually the next question I had is uh, any feedback or insights or opinions around HCG and Clomid use. Yeah. So they're fairly equivalent. Um
1: uh, HCG and Clomid. And i put my patients on Clomid because it's easier to give someone a pill than it is to give them a shot. Uh, and there are a couple of really good review articles from, I think, 2019 in the Journal of Sexual Medicine showing that they're basically equivalent. Um, but the nice thing about Clomid
0: is it's cheap. You know, it's generic, it's cheap, easy to take. What's the dosing schedule on that? Is it um, frequent, infrequent? Uh, once, once a day,
1: 25 milligrams. Just ongoing? Ongoing. You know, so if I have guys that are in their 20s or 30s. Uh, like, say, I had a, uh, had a patient the other day that I treated for testicular cancer. So I took one of his testicles out, and, uh, you know, he's still 25, 30 years old, and he wants to maintain fertility. Um, and his testosterone was sort of getting low. And so I put him on Clomid to maximally stimulate the remaining testicle he had to boost testosterone production.
0: Now, if someone wants to come off testosterone, is that impossible or are they kind of stuck on it for life? And would it be a Clomid protocol that brings them back?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. So I don't have a ton of experience taking people off that are younger. It really depends on how long you've been on testosterone. The experience that I have is with prostate cancer patients. So prostate cancer is a testosterone sensitive tumor. And the only urologist ever to win the Nobel prize was Dr. Huggins in 1934. And what he won the Nobel prize for was discovering that if you have prostate cancer and you remove someone's testicles, the prostate cancer shrinks up. And that's because you don't have any testosterone anymore. And so part of the treatment for advanced prostate cancer is to basically take the testosterone to zero. So medical castration, but obviously that's a really unpleasant place for guys to be. And so some people do what's called intermittent androgen deprivation, meaning that they'll bring the testosterone down to zero. That will bring the PSA down to zero. PSA is a prostate cancer screening antigen. So it's an indication of how much prostate cancer there is. Uh, But then as the testosterone starts to go back up, the PSA will go up. And so It really depends. Some patients, if we have them on androgen deprivation for five or 10 years and then take them off, their testosterone will never recover. But if you just have someone on androgen deprivation for a couple of years, then your testosterone will certainly recover. So somewhere between two and five or 10 years, if you're on replacement, because there's a negative feedback loop. So say you're 40 and, uh, or 35 and you want to go on, well, I have a good example, right? So I took care of a, uh, a, um, a Raider back when they were the Oakland Raiders. So this was a while back. Uh, and he was an all pro, uh, defensive player, huge guy, 350 pounds. Um, and, uh, he came in, I did his vasectomy and his testicles were the size of peas, right? Because he had been on testosterone replacement for such a long time. Because you know that was he made you know tens of millions of dollars, right. for tackling people, and and for that reason, his testicles had shrunk up, and I was actually surprised he was getting a vasectomy because he probably was pretty much infertile at that point. Crazy, interesting. So, so
0: tell us about your book. It sounds like it's uh, definitely worth a read for the male population out there.
1: Yeah, this is um, this was my COVID project, and. You know, I really care about men and men's health and mostly for men over the age of 35, you know, younger than 35, you should start picking up some good habits, but you can compensate because you have vitality and energy. But after the age of 35 or 40 or 45, you know, I see guys that come into my office because they've run out of gas. And when they run out of gas, their testosterone's low or they have erectile dysfunction or they lose muscle mass or they put on fat. And so seeing these patients over the years became the genesis for the 21st century man, which is the most complete and medically accurate book ever written for men's health. It's over 900 pages. It's 101 chapters. And I have 60 other physicians and men's health experts because I don't know everything about everything, right? Mm -hmm. And so Uh, I have a whole mental health section where we have psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists. I have a whole um, addiction section where we have experts on addiction. I have a whole plastic surgery, cosmetic dermatology, grooming section where we have plastic surgeons, cosmetic dermatologists, Uh, really every aspect of men's health. Because in seeing my patients, I came to understand that you can't work on someone's sexual function unless they feel good about themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Unless they feel great and they feel like they look great. And if they feel great and they feel like they look great, then they're ready to have physical intimacy. So there's sort of like a, like a Maslow's pyramid for midlife men, you know, and at the bottom it's, it's physical health and then mental health and then relationship health and emotional health. And at the top, is sexual health. So yeah, if you have everything in line, then you're sexually active when you're in your fifties or sixties or seventies. But, you know, if your physical health is bad or your mental health is bad or your emotional or relationship health is bad, then you don't
0: get to the top of that pyramid. Have you experimented with any peptides like PT-141 or even some red light therapy? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I love
1: PT-141. It's an amazing peptide.
0: I'd love to hear what what your thoughts on that and
1: mechanistically what's happening there. Yeah. So interestingly, it was developed in Australia and they were looking for a sunless tanning agent. And what they found is all these people got tanned, but they also got really horny. And so uh, they isolated the melanocortin and it's, it hits what's called the melanocortin four receptor. So it's a little receptor up in the brain and we have no idea why this peptide works But what it does is it gives people uh, libido and also spontaneous erections. Now, the thing is, it's more unpredictable than something like Viagra or Cialis. So we know with Viagra and Cialis, you take it within 30, 60 minutes, it's going to work. And then for something like Viagra, it's going to be gone in six to eight hours. And we know exactly what the side effects are with PT-141 or remelanatide, um, or they've released it for women, it's called Vileci. You take it and it's pretty variable how long it takes to work. It can start working within one to three hours. Although I had a patient the other day, it said it took six hours to work. And then it lasts anywhere from one to three to even 12 hours. Um, and the main side effect is nausea. So I tell my patients make sure you have an antiemetic somewhere around because I've I've had some patients that really had a bad reaction and had really bad nausea which kind of ruined the whole experience. Yeah. But once you kind of figure it out then it actually works really well and predictably within that given individual. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Now does it have a, a diminishing return? Um, kind of curve where it's effective in the beginning and less so as you continue to use or, you
1: know, that's a, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. I'd have to get that back to you. Okay.
0: Have you seen any benefit from using red light therapy, either directly on the, on the testicles or otherwise?
1: So actually I I hold a patent on using red light therapy on the testicles. Hmm. Um, And we're going to design some studies on whether it actually improves testosterone. And then the other interesting thing is, so St- uh, the testicles do two things, right? They make testosterone, but then they also make sperm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So if you put red light therapy on the testicles, maybe you're going to compromise the ability to make sperm, hmm. right? So these things, there's always a level of complexity uh, that goes beyond what we think. And so as part of designing the protocol and getting IRB approval, we have to make sure that we're also testing guys' semen to make sure that the sperm counts are okay, that the morphology of the sperm looks okay, that the motility of the sperm is okay. Because, you know, maybe we're improving sperm parameters, but maybe we're, uh, you know, negatively affecting sperm parameters. And so you get yourself in a lot of trouble if all of a sudden 20-year-olds are wearing red light therapy for their for their uh, testosterone, but they can't have babies.
0: All right. As far as men who are looking to get their partner pregnant, um, any uh, advice there to bring up sperm count, sperm motility? It seems to be drastically diminishing.
1: Yeah. So there's a great chapter in the book by Dr. Phil Worthman, who's a good friend of mine and one of the nation's top fertility experts. Okay. And so he has a whole chapter on improving fertility. But for the most part, um, you know, I'll recommend people read the book if they're uh, really interested, but most of the healthy habits that we recommend in general, eating well, exercising, so on and so forth. Now, testicles are very temperature sensitive. That's the reason that they're below the body. And you have what's called the cremasteric muscle, which is an attachment to from the external oblique muscle that comes down and grabs onto the testicle. Mm-hmm. And it monitors temperature. So when it's really cold, testicles come up close to body temperature. And when it's really hot, the testicles come down because they want to get away from what they think is body temperature. So anything that you're doing to increase the temperature of the testicles, whether it's spending a lot of time in hot tubs or saunas, if you want to have a kid, uh, you probably shouldn't be doing that. The other thing is there are supplements mostly with carnitine that have been shown to boost uh, sperm parameters.
0: Absolutely amazing. I would love to have you tell our audience where they can find your firm products, maybe where they can come to work with you and obviously the book they can get on Amazon.
1: Yeah. Oh, don't go to Amazon.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate Amazon.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I think we all do. <laughs> oh, I wish Jeff Bezos got blasted up into space and just stayed there. <laughs> go to the 21stcenturyman.com, all written out. And uh, and we have an ebook. We have uh, a hardcover book. I'll never go to paperback, right? Because a men's health book should be a solid hardcover book. Uh, And then we have, uh, we're working on an audio book. So we're going to release that pretty soon. Nice. Because my patients, you know, they told me, listen, I want want to take it on an airplane and I don't want to take a five pound book on an airplane. So we did the ebook and then a lot of guys in the Bay Area do a lot of commuting. And so they asked to get a, uh, an audio book, but really it's, it's. By far and away, there's nothing really even that comes close. This is by far and away the most comprehensive and medically accurate book ever written for men between the ages of 35 and 85. And it's written not just by me, but by 60 of my, my good friends and colleagues who are you know, outstanding leaders in each of their fields, whether it's cardiology or pulmonology or hand surgery or podiatry or... Uh, yoga or CBD, or I have an incredible chapter on health insurance written mm-hmm. by the medical director of the cross blue shield of California, right? Health insurance is bewildering. Even for doctors, you have to know what you're doing though, in order to get, in order to use it. Right. And men use health insurance half as much as women do. Hmm. So men are half as likely to go to doctors as women. So you have to know how to use health insurance.
0: Well, Dr. Brandis, this has been probably the most informative conversation I've ever heard when it comes to all of these things with respect to mental health. So thank you very much for making the time. And that's a wrap, ladies and gents. Thank you so much for tuning into the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Uh, It's absolutely a privilege to be able to do this podcast, to connect with the world's greatest authorities on very specific things. To ultimately empower men and women with the knowledge and skill set to live their greatest life in a body they love, truly feels like a gift that I wake up to do every day. So, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing this podcast with the people you know and love. I know you're someone who wants to help others get better, surround yourself with great people. So, sharing podcasts like this definitely opens up doors. I know you guys have so much information that you could possibly consuming be consuming and you choose to be here. So thank you. I don't take that lightly. And thank you for always supporting our sponsors. They make this podcast possible. Again, it's not always easy to do. There's a lot of competition out there. And the Muscle Intelligence slash Muscle Expert podcast has been around since 2013. A lot of people don't know that. We're one of the OGs in the podcasting space. And we've been around a long time and continue to grow, which is such a true blessing. So guys, thank you so much for supporting me, for supporting the podcast and supporting the team and ultimately supporting our sponsors. Have a great day. Live your greatest life in a body you love.